In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Well, as we approach the third week of Advent, we recognize that it is known for the Sunday that is called Gaudete Sunday. It is the Sunday of joy, the Sunday where we kind of get up from our slumber and with alacrity we run to the manger or we set off in order to go see Jesus with with great stress on the goal of kneeling down before the Messiah, just like the Magi wanted to go and see the King of the Jews so that they might worship him. In Ga on Gaudete Sunday, the church allows for flowers on the altar and also for rose vestments because it's telling us that this time of expectation is almost over and it's almost there and that we should rejoice that's precisely what the word gaudete means it is it means re rejoice taken from the letter of saint paul to the philippians who exhorts his listeners to rejoice in the lord always and then he repeats it again again i tell you rejoice the lord is near the lord is near this is also the antiphon of the Mass, the entrance antiphon with which we begin the Mass that day. And so in this third week, we want to, following the homily on Christian vocation by St. Jose Maria, we want to get up from our slumber. And this is precisely what St. Paul says to the Romans, which St. Jose Maria quotes in his homily. He says, St. Paul, and this do, understanding the time, for it is now the hour for us to rise from sleep, because now our salvation is nearer than when we came to believe. The night is far advanced, the day is at hand. Let us therefore lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk becomingly as in the day, not in revelry, and drunkenness, not in debauchery, and wantonness, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and as for the flesh, take no thought of its lusts. Well, certainly this, these words of St. Paul to the Romans remind me of the nativity scenes that are depicted in Naples, the Neapolitan creche scenes you which you may be familiar with are very intricate nativity scenes made out of silk and um all the all the people there there could be hundreds of people or dozens of of characters in this in these scenes for christmas and they come out of a tradition from the 17th century to depict a street of Naples 
which usually is full of drunkenness and debauchery and and people giving into kind of um, the lusts of uh, the eyes and the flesh and the pride of life, as St. John says, because that's the people that Jesus has come to redeem. And then all of a sudden, kind of on a hill maybe, or on a, on a little offset, there is the birth of Jesus depicted with Mary, Jesus, and Joseph, and the Magi and the shepherds, and the the animals and all sorts of little angels flying around, hanging perhaps with with um, uh, silk string and and such, or nylon, and the very intricate, a baroque kind of um, theological, we could say explanation of what the mystery is and these these uh, nativity scenes which are very intricate usually have a ruin where the holy family is it's a roman ruin usually they have a column a corinthian column and then um some kind of structure that is in ruins just like the roman ruins which they had all over the place in Naples at the time, and they still do. And and they usually have this kind of um, uh, ruin be the little house where where Jesus is born. You know, the cave where Jesus is born is kind of like that. And and this little ruin has three elements in it. It has the element of a Corinthian column which is basically uh, representative representative of a Roman goddess, a female goddess. That's why it's Corinthian. Corinthian. The Corinthian capital is used to represent a woman or a female figure. So it could be from a temple of Athena or something like that or, or something, um, or some other deity that the Romans worshipped. And then it has a door, perhaps um, a kind of gate or a big door, maybe from a medieval addition to the ruin. And then it has a kind of, you know, um, destroyed arch, you know, with uh, grass growing over it or plants growing over it kind of in a wild way. So, so as to emphasize um, the state of the ruin. And what do these things represent? They represent, the Corinthian column represents Our Lady. The door represents Jesus. And also right underneath the whole hill, there's also a little bridge. And that bridge represents Jesus' priesthood because he is the one that bridges the gap between the state of humanity, the, the, the lame state of humanity that we are in the state of sin and God. And that's what his incarnation is. It's really a bridge. It's his priesthood. And then the ruin, the, the part, the arch that is not completed, it's kind of our failed attempt at salvation with our own power. Because we have given in to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And we are unable, actually, to provide a, a structure that saves us, even though we continuously try. Just like today, we 
we forget God and we try to hide behind our technology, our medicine, our biomedicine, our bioengineering and all that in order to reach what we think is fulfillment. And yet we fall short of it. We still haven't understood that our happiness is something that cannot be found here on earth or in something material, but in something spiritual. And that's why St. John gives us these, these three kind of warnings, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. You know, the flesh is always warring against us because we think that we confuse so often happiness with pleasure, with physical pleasure. And our Lord has come to tell us that holy purity is a condition in order to be able to see God. And that's precisely also what St. Paul tells us, that when we are able to, to think in a pure way, that we will see everything in its original beauty. You know, and that's why he says, this is a phrase that St. Maria liked so much, he had it engraved in stone. This is taken from St. Paul. And it, he and he liked it in Latin. He used to repeat it in Latin, which is Sanctis omnia sancta mundanis mundana, which in Latin means to the holy, everything is holy, to the, to the worldly, everything is worldly. In other words, a worldly person, a person who gives into the lusts of the flesh, who's kind of perverse, he will only see perverse things in the world. Everything will be dirty. He will find a double meaning into everything, which which is always, you know, um, low, you know, in tone. And, and he can never understand the purity of an intention that somebody has in order to do something good for no hidden agenda, for no, you know, vested interest or whatever. He cannot understand that. The person who is worldly always thinks bad of people, badly of people. He thinks badly of people and gives doesn't give the benefit of the doubt to anyone. But he said, to the holy, everything is holy. They can see God in everything. And that's why St. Paul also says, for the rest, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever honorable, whatever just, whatever holy, whatever lovable, whatever good repute, if there be any virtue, if anything worthy of praise, think upon these things. He is encouraging his listeners, the early Christians at Philippi, in this case, to consider the beauty that God has instilled in everything so that we could see God's hand even behind the cross, even behind suffering, that we actually accept his will, whatever it might be. And that, But that requires purity. That requires purity of life, purity of intention, so that we are able to see God. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Holy purity is not the most important virtue, but it is necessary to be able to follow Christ. And it requires struggle. And you and I today in Advent can perhaps make it a little bit of our goal to be able to purify ourselves to undergo a purification, which doesn't just mean avoiding bad things, 
avoiding sexual disorder or or things like that but really if we value it we protect it and we make it grow because we use our heart to love god and to love others saint gregory the great says that this requires struggle because again these the the devil is always there to tempt us but this struggle is a positive joyful affirmation gregory the great says there are some who want to be humble without being despised they want to be content with what they have without suffering need they want to be chaste without mortifying their body when they try to acquire virtues while fleeing from the efforts that virtue requires it is as though they expected to win a war by living comfortably in the city without having anything to do with the combat on the battlefield well we cannot live in a chaste way in a pure way if we don't struggle because we will always be uh, assailed one of the ways to struggle besides frequenting the sacrament of penance often as often as needed perhaps is to flee from the occasions of sin and also to exercise our heart in order to show our love for god in piety for instance in adoring the blessed sacrament and spending time every day if possible with the eucharist with the holy eucharist and and expressing how much like mary magdalene we are sorry for all our sins and how much we want to love god forevermore but the lust of the flesh is not the only thing that lusts against our spiritual desires it is always also as saint john continues the lust of the eyes the lust of the eyes everything that is material comes to us through our senses and we see in christmas how the mystery of the incarnation is precisely set in the context of poverty how mary and joseph are they're not wealthy they're not they don't belong to the upper classes to the upper echelons of society of the day they are peasants they are they are poor people and yet hard-working and holy people as well holiness is not about having or not having it really is about where our heart is where is our heart and in order to show us and to give us an example of of the fact that our salvation is not in anything material jesus has chosen freely to be born in a stable so many people have commented on those words of saint luke in his gospel that there was no room for them in the inn and certainly there could have been no room no vacancy because everything was full and that's one reason why they had to take recourse to the stable but many have also commented on the for them there was no room for them in the inn perhaps they they had room in the inn but but not for saint joseph and mary and jesus because they didn't have any money maybe it was a very you know kind of upper scale hotel if there was anything of the sort in bethlehem but there was no room for them because they didn't have at least what was needed to pay for the for the room 
but perhaps it was it was not even that it was they did have the money and they did have room but there was no room for them because they judged that what was happening in that inn was not good was not worthy of god maybe it was uh, there was some i don't know something that was sinful going on in that hotel or something like that where there was room and they said look we'd rather be born we'd rather jesus be born in a stable than than here with sin that's what that's what's unworthy of god is sin not you know poverty or material uh, destitution and so what we need to realize is that we shouldn't be afraid of being poor we have the right to be poor and really poor in spirit poor of heart that we are not attached to anything material to anything that the eyes give us to anything that the that the world offers us and especially i think this is relevant for this time when we exchange gifts when we buy gifts for others and for ourselves that perhaps we need to consider with a christian outlook that i may not need to buy everything that i may not need to spend so much money that i may you know give a more modest gift you know one of the great gifts that i think we could give is a a book or a bible even or a new testament a pocket new testament with a dedication so that others can read the word of god there and find the greatest treasure on earth or besides the sacraments the word of god and that is more in line with the spirit of christmas the third passion that will always war against us and war against the spirit of christmas and against the spirit of the incarnation the spirit of salvation and redemption that our lord wanted to come and give us is the pride of life that saint john mentions in his letter humility 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 more than than i don't know if people think of humility as as um kind of a weird virtue i have to be dirty and smelly and kind of i have to not stand up for my rights in order to be humble i have to take injustice and just shut up no that's not humility humility really is openness openness to the will of god openness to something greater openness to to another you know knowing that i i am loved by god primarily and that's why i can love others as well it really means accepting what god has in store for me and seeing god's hand behind everything it really is the truth about myself and that i i need to not consider myself as greater than others because i'm not i have to serve everyone everyone is a child of god this is the greatest truth that humility allows me to actually discover when we have a lot of power when we have a lot of money we may that may kind of get to our head and we we will paint a, a picture of ourselves a portrait of ourselves that is not in accord with reality and that's why humility has a lot to do with truth who we really are yes we are wretched because we're sinful yes we are weak because we're creaturely and yet at the same time we are children of god because of grace and so humility has this 
kind of uh, almost, I would say, a paradoxical um, aspect to it that it allows us to see our nothingness and and at the, the very same time our greatness. Not because we are great, but because God has made us so. Because he has given us this free grace and we have accepted it. We have said yes to it, which is the fact that we want to be his his children. His children. And I am kind of off the hook from trying to make an impression on people and trying to impress others on what I am not. It's not about, you know, who I look like or what I look like and and you know what i have what i don't have it doesn't matter i am a child of god and god is my father that's the only thing that matters ultimately well this christmas we can contemplate these scenes in the manger we can contemplate the and maybe perhaps a neapolitan crash and see where our life is you know are we in that street with debauchery um, that is unaware of what's happening elsewhere in the nativity scene where Jesus is being born in in the midst of the ruins of of uh, you know the glory of Rome that is now fallen which represents really the power of this world or anything that the world can offer us or are we closer to Jesus like the magi like the shepherds like those angels that are peeking in and looking at the quiet scene that the world knows not of. Well, let us um, today with alacrity, with greater joy, with greater speed, make haste to run, to see what the hype is about, what the good news is that the angels are announcing to the shepherds and also there adore our lord with our lady and saint joseph i thank you my god for the good resolutions affections and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation i ask your help to put them into effect my immaculate mother saint joseph my father and lord my guardian angel intercede for me